If you will, if you will open your Bible to Paul's letter to the Romans, and if you will look at chapter 12, I think there's a great message for us as we, we have just gone through the Easter series, the Easter service, Easter time, and I think that today is, to me, it's a good follow-up to what we find as we think about what Jesus has done for us. So if you will, look at chapter 12 in Romans, and let's think about and let's look and let's consider the first eight verses. So follow along in God's Word. Here the Apostle Paul writes and he says, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts does, act of, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of this portion of his holy word. Let's just ask the Lord to be with us now as we think about his word, as we apply this to our lives. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll be with us now, and Lord, it's our prayer that that you would take these words, the truths of scriptures that we have read this morning, and Lord, our prayer would be that your Holy Spirit would just apply them in such a way that, Lord, that all of these words become so real to us. And Father, we pray this now in the name of Jesus, who is our Savior, our Lord, and our King. Amen. Whenever I think about the book of Romans, or whenever I read the book of Romans, I get excited because, you know, here we have some of the great doctrines of the faith. For example, you've got the doctrine of uh, the sovereignty of God. You've got the doctrine of sin. We've got the doctrine of election. We've got the doctrine of predestination. You know, all that good stuff that we love. Well, it's all right here, and we thank the Lord because it's here. But now, as we come down to chapter five, uh, to the chapter, uh, the, the 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 last five chapters, excuse me. When we come down to that, actually, what we have is the practical application of what it is that Paul has been teaching us in these first eleven chapters. Note how he begins, look at verse, tw- uh, verse 1 of, of chapter 12, and Paul says this, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. Now, I've said this before, but let me say it again. 
Whenever that word therefore appears, we need to ask the question, what is it there for? And you see what Paul is saying is, look, in light of what we've said before, therefore, this is the practical application of it. And we need to learn from this. And we need to see how all that has gone before actually is a practical application of what Paul has been teaching us. <clears throat> now, as we look at these verses in chapter 12, we see that Paul is saying to us right off the bat, he said, now, there are a couple of things I want you to think about. And he says, I want you to really consider a couple of things. Number one, Paul says, he says, he urges us to look within ourselves. Look what he says in verse one. He says, consider your own relationship with Christ. In other words, we need to look at ourselves, he says. And then when we look at the second part, 4 through 8, Paul is saying this. He says, if we are truly saved, if we're in Christ, it's going to make a difference in our lives, in our everyday living. It's going to make a difference because we're going to be serving God and we're going to be serving His church. We're going to be serving His people. Now, that's what he says in these chapters. But now, let's break it down and kind of look at it uh, uh, from a practical point of view. Now, <clears throat> first of all, as I said, in these first verses, there's a challenge here. And Paul says, we need to look at ourselves. And it's interesting, he says, we need to look at ourselves from three themes or three perspectives. Now, number one, he says, from a from a perspective, a, a, a theme of, of concentration would, would be the, the idea. Now, note this. It's interesting that Paul begins with an earnest plea. You know, interesting, he doesn't just kind of say, you know, guys, I've been thinking, and, uh, you know, I, I, want, I want to run something by you. And I want to kind of get the idea, what do you think about this? No, that's not what he says at all. Look how he starts. He says, I urge you. In other words, he says, I plead with you by the mercy of God, verse 1, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice. And so that's the first theme, he says. We need to examine our life from this whole idea of consecration. Now, we ask the question, what does that mean? What is he talking about here? Well, let me give you a, <clears throat> a, a working definition so that we can think about this. Actually, when, he, when he's talking about here is he's talking about our life being set apart for God's glory and for God's use. Let me illustrate it like this. Every Sunday morning, just as we did this morning, we take up an offering. The deacons pass the plate, and we put into the offering plate the offering that we have committed or that we have set apart for God. Now, to use this illustration, you see, I think God is saying to us in these passages, God is saying, I am passing the offering plate. And if your life has been set apart for me, then I want you to get into that offering plate. You see, that's the whole idea. In other words, just as our money is to be set apart for God. You see, Paul says our lives are to be set apart 
for God, for God's use, and for God's glory. Now, let me add this to this so that we'll understand. This is not something we do just on Sunday. No, no. But rather, this is something that is to be done every day, every day of our lives, every day of the year. He says, set yourself apart from God. It's kind of like that slogan, just do it. Now, watch this also. I think this is important. This is not something we do one time and then it's done. No, but this is something that is to be done on a regular, on a consistent, on a daily basis. And I think we see this right here. Note where Paul says this. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, the Greek verb here is in the present tense. Now, you English majors... Present tense means what? The what? There, there you go. It means continuous action. That's, that's exactly, that's the idea. And you see, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Continuous action. It means that we are to commit our, 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 our faith and our trust in Jesus on a regular, on a consistent, on a daily basis. Not just one time. But also, it's important to note here. That, that what Paul is saying here, when he uses the word sacrifice, and he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, as you think back on this, the whole idea of sacrifice, it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the Old Testament Jewish sacrifice that we, that we see there. And he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, there's the idea of the Old Testament. And you remember how the priest would actually lay his hand on the head of the the little lamb? That symbolized that the sins of the people would be transferred to the sacrifice. And then the sacrifice was offered up for the sins of the people. And there was a definite purpose there. And the purpose there was an atonement for sin. Well, now, when you think about that and you apply that here, you see Paul is saying here, believers, men, women, young people, you are a living sacrifice. And also, there's a definite purpose for that. And that is that our lives are to be used for God, for God's glory, for His purpose. And you see, when we think about this, this is exactly what consecration is talking about and this is what Paul is talking about when he talks about that first theme consecration giving all that we have all that we do for God now let me ask you a question here and here I'm going to stop preaching and go to meddling (laughs) let me ask you this and certainly I ask myself the same question is my life is your life really set apart for God Have you and I, have we really given Jesus our all? You know, when you think about it, he certainly gave his all for us. Jesus died to take away our sin, to take away our guilt. He went to the cross there to give us salvation. We just, in the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the blessings of Easter and and the the death of Christ and and the resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus. And so we've We've been talking about that. And so I think then the, the question that we should be asking is, well, now, we know what Jesus did for us, 
But now, what is our response then to what Jesus has done? And so the question is, really what Paul is saying is, is consecration, in other words, being set apart for God, is that a word that describes our life today? I think it's something for us to to think about it. And so here you see Paul says, Christian, look at yourself. And he says, first of all, look at yourself in terms of the theme of, of consecration, that is, being set apart for God, for His glory. Now, as we read here, we see along with that first theme, Paul says, I want you to look at your life in light of a second theme. And that second theme is what we would call transformation. Look at verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Think of it like this. You see, the person whose life is truly set apart for Jesus, set apart for the Lord, that person's life is in the process of being transformed, being changed. Now, note what he says in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Two important words here, conformed and transformed. Now, the word conformed, as it's used here, it means an outward expression of something that doesn't really reflect what's inside. It means that something that's not really true to our faith is the idea. And you see what Paul is saying, child of God, don't be conformed to the things of the world. Paul said, don't do that. You know, when you think about it, there are four major themes, we might say. There are four major goals of this world system. And I think we can kind of sum them up with, uh, with like this fame and fortune, power and pleasure. <clears throat> and you see, what Paul is saying that is that when things like this, any one or all of these things, whenever they dominate or control our lives, we are falling into a mold that really doesn't reflect our faith in Jesus, our belief in God. And, and you see, again, Paul is saying here, Christian, don't do that. Don't be conformed. Now, the word transformed, he says, be transformed in verse 2. Now, the idea there is we, we assume an outward appearance. We assume an outward expression. We, are, we assume an outward life that really reflects what's on the inside, what we believe. In other words, what Paul is saying is we need to become outwardly exactly what we are inwardly, what we believe and what we trust. And again, you see, Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be squeezed into a mold that comes from things like power and pleasure and and, uh, fortune and and fame, things like that. He says, but rather... As we think about it, our life, our outward life, the life we live, rather it should be conforming to our faith in Jesus, our faith in the Lord. We ought, in other words, what we believe, it should certainly affect the way we live. <clears throat> and that's what he is saying here. And so in these first 11 chapters, you see what Paul is saying here is that what we have here, we have the great doctrines of the faith. And Paul is saying that's very important. 
But he says also we need to understand how that those great doctrines of the faith, how they affect and how they apply to the Christian life. And you see, Paul is wanting us to come to the place where we say, Lord, my life is set apart for you. Lord, I am your servant, and Lord, I want to serve you. And you see, Paul is saying, we should be saying, by God's grace, by God's mercy, my mind, my heart, my actions, my attitudes, they all are committed unto the Lord. <clears throat> now, notice in verse 2, he says, the basis is consecration. In other words, Paul says, it all begins it all begins by being set apart for God. And then he says, he goes on and he says, and following that, there comes transformation. That is, are we becoming more and more like Jesus? But then there's a third thing here. And you see, Paul says, we need to be thinking of ourselves in light of these three themes. Consecration, transformation, and then the third thing is evaluation. We need to be looking at ourselves. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself or herself than uh, he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Verse 3 is here talking about a proper evaluation of ourselves. You know, when we think about it, and I think we all agree with this, that <clears throat> there's probably a tendency today that we would think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, or maybe we would think more lowly of ourselves uh, than we ought to think. It's really hard, it's tough to have the right perspective, the proper perspective, when it comes to what the Bible says. And you see, that's why, that's why God says we need to give God the glory, and this is why we need God's grace and God's mercy we need to be taking God at His Word because it's only then that we're able to really see and understand and see ourselves as we really are because it takes real humility to do a proper evaluation and to see ourselves as God sees us. And so when we think about all of that and we put all of that together, <clears throat> I think the question then that we come down to would be a question like this. Is my life... Is your life, is my life really committed? Is it really set apart for God? Am I being transformed? Am I becoming more and more like the example of the Lord Jesus? Outwardly, I'm reflecting what I believe inwardly. <clears throat> now, that's what we have in these first verses. Then as we come down to verses 4 through 8, we see that Paul is showing us how all of that that we've been talking about, how all of that applies to our everyday Christian life as members of the body of Christ. And again, you see what Paul is saying. If we are truly saved, that means if I truly love Jesus, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a, a big difference in my life. <clears throat> and you see, when you look at verses 4 through 8, Paul points out what that difference is going to look like. <clears throat> now, if our life is truly set apart, we're going to want to serve God. I love to tell the story <clears throat> about a lady in a church that I served back in Alabama. And, uh, and 
her story would be something like this. She said, before I became a Christian, I did what I wanted to do. And she said, but when God saved me, God gave me a new want to. When God saved me, God gave me a new want to. And she said, I now, I now want to serve God. And I want to serve his people. And I want to to serve the church. And you see, Paul goes on in these last verses. And he explains just how the church is to work. And how the church is to to function. Look at verse 4 and 5. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members... And each member does not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. Two things here. Paul gets down to the real practical stuff when he's looking at this. Look what he says. In verse 4, you see, he compares the church with our body. And what he is saying here is that our body is actually made up of many, many parts, many members. We have hands, we have feet, we have eyes. They don't all do the same thing, but he's pointing out, but they are all very, very important. And you see, this is what he's saying here. When it comes down, when we think about the church, and when we think about the gifts that God has given us, and when we think about they applied to the church, Paul is saying here, we need to understand, certainly, we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same abilities. We're not all able to do the same thing. But he says this, but he said, we all are important in the life and the body of the church. And look what he goes on in verse 5. And he says, just as the parts of the physical body all work together, he says, so also the parts of the church, the parts of the spiritual body, the body of Christ are all interrelated. And therefore, we are to work together and we are to function together for the good of the body, for the good of the church. And Paul is saying here, you see, we're all a part of that covenant family. And therefore, the way it works out is that we are to use the gifts God has given us and we are to use them to God's glory and to His praise. <clears throat> and then that's, that's the theory. But now as you look at 6, 7, and 8, here we see the practice of exactly of what he is saying here. <clears throat> he says, verse 6, he says, Since we all have gifts that differ, we don't all have the same gifts. That means we can't all do the same thing. We're not all serving God in exactly the same way. And I think we could say one of the real secrets to real happiness in the Christian life is when we discover what our gifts are that God has given us and when we use those gifts to God's glory and to His praise. Now look what he says, verse 6. He says, these gifts differ according to the gifts that are given to us. Many different gifts. And as we discover our particular gifts, that's the way we use them. And you see what Paul is saying here. That is our contribution to the church. 
But now goes, look what he says. He goes on in verse 6. He says, let us use them. Now, the them is a reference to when he says the gifts that God has given us. This is very important. We use the gifts that God has given us. And you see, that's the whole idea that Paul is talking about here. And the point is, we don't have to feel bad or we don't have to feel guilty. You see, if we're not able to do what somebody else is able to do. Say, for example, somebody says, well, I just don't feel like I can teach a Sunday school class. I think Paul says, no big deal. Don't worry about it. What that means is that your gifts are something else. (coughs) Excuse me. Maybe it's music. or Maybe it's service. Maybe it's some form of administration. Maybe it's giving. (coughs) Maybe it's greeting people. Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's working with children. Or maybe it's working with young people. Whatever it is. And you see what Paul is saying. (coughs) Excuse me. But what Paul is saying here is that we need to discover what our gifts are. And we need to use those gifts to serve God and to serve His church and for God's glory. Well, as we look at the the latter part of these verses, we see in 6, 7, and 8 that what he's doing here, he is listing, mentioned several different gifts, and uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and so what he is saying is, as we look at these verses, whatever our gifts may be, we need to discover those gifts, and we need to use them to the Lord and to His praise and His glory. And so what we have in this passage, there are several important principles. But I think really what it all boils down to, when we all look at what it's saying, really Paul is saying here, he's encouraging us, encouraging us to look at ourselves, to examine ourselves, to ask us, I ask me and I ask, and you ask yourself, do I really know Jesus? Am I really serving Jesus? Secondly, you see what Paul is saying here is if we are truly saved, Paul says, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in the way that we serve. And so in conclusion, as we think about this, I challenge myself and I challenge you as I think about these overall verses, what Paul is really saying here. And I think overall what Paul is saying is we, again, we need to look at ourselves. And here's the question. And I ask myself the question, and I trust that you will ask yourself the question too. Do we know Jesus as our Savior and Lord? Do we really know Him as Savior and Lord? Do we? Has our life been set apart? Has my life, has your life been set apart for the Lord? Am I truly serving Him? Because if He's set apart for the Lord, I'm going to be serving Him. And you see, Paul says in these words, and we see it kind of sums it up. Paul says, I urge you. In other words, he says, I plead with you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living 
and a holy sacrifice. May that be our prayer. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for these, your words that you've given to us. And Lord, how we pray that your Holy Spirit will just, Lord, take these truths. And Lord, we ask that you will apply them to our hearts and our lives in such a way that, Lord, that all of this becomes real to us. Father, we, tr we pray that indeed that we might know you as Savior and Lord and King. And that, Lord, that we might be seeking to serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.